0: This is episode 13 with Alex Tooley. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal trainer and coach. Each week, it is my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today's guest is a special one for me. Alex was a great above me at Delaware and was my host there on my recruiting trip. I quickly saw after meeting him that he was someone special at the sport and him and I shared a similar passion for always wanting to improve ourselves. Alex and I went on to become training partners for the three years we overlapped at UD, oftentimes competing in the same events. Alex, an Olympic trial qualifier and school record holder, shares a unique perspective on the sport and was a great example of how to balance his academics with his athletics. So without further ado, I'm excited to dive into things here with him. So first question I had for you, though, is how did you get started in swimming and kind of when did you realize that you would be pretty solid at the sport and be able to do it at the D1 level?
1: So I started swimming when I was six, actually, um, just at a little neighborhood summer club team. Um, And I did it because my old brother did it. Uh, we just moved to a new house, um, in Fort Collins and there was a pool there, you know, kind of neighborhood swim team and my brother did it. And so I was, you know, little brother tagging along as always. (laughs) (laughs) And so he was, he was actually way better than me, but I mean, he was two years older and it was, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. I, that was how I made most of my friends in the neighborhood, um, We could always go to the pool. We had there's a big group of us just on our on our cul-de-sac that would all walk down to the pool together every day, and it was just a lot of fun. And so, I just loved it, and so I just kept with it. And when I was so finally, when I was eight years old, my parents were like, you know, this could actually like be something. So let's get you involved in year-round swimming. And so, same kind of thing. Uh, We went and tried out a couple of different local teams. Um, one of them was horrible. A kid almost actually gave me a concussion the first practice that I was there. Uh, we were doing backstroke and he was swimming on the wrong side of the lane and rammed right into me. And I had to get out of practice like immediately. And I was like, Mom, I, I hate this team. I, I can't swim.
0: I feel like everyone has one of those stories of like backstroke gone wrong at some point in their swimming career if they swam for a long time.
1: I think so, but so I was eight years old with a concussion, (laughs) and luckily it was very very mild. But so then we finally tried out the the bigger team that was a little more serious, and it was awesome. And so I just stuck with it, and you know, eight years old, I won the state meet in the 50 stroke. and so my parents were like all right like I think this could be something and so my I had both my brothers were doing it with me uh we were all pretty much in the same group for a while and then you know as 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 they grew and I grew I kind of just grew up like way better at it than them and so my parents were were really good they were super supportive And my older brother didn't really like it, especially when we got to high school and his little brother started beating him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, I mean, for me, it was just always something I guess that's kind of just like my personality is if I find one thing that I really love, I stick with it. I put my heart and soul into it. And that's what I'm doing. I did. I did. My parents made me choose between uh, doing soccer and doing swimming for, like, I guess, like, year-round kind of, like, competitive mm-hmm. uh, sport. And so it was actually a really tough decision there because all, a bunch of my friends were going to go play soccer for, it was called Arsenal, is, like, the big team in Colorado that you play for mm-hmm. if, you, if you want to, like, be good. And so I had to make the decision to swim instead, and, but I think, mean, best decision I ever made because I think I made most of all my best friends through swimming.
2: Yeah,
0: 100%. I feel like it worked out for you. Um, I, I mean, that's how we met, obviously. Um, going, going into the college process, um, you started getting recruiting. What was that process like for you? And then like, how did you end up from Colorado moving all the way to Delaware?
1: So, recruiting for me was actually pretty difficult. Um, I was always that kid who was just right there at, like, the qualifying marks, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the times it took a little bit longer for me to get over the hill for that. So, like, while well, a bunch of my friends on my team were qualifying for juniors, I was .04 away from it in four different events. And so I didn't get to go to those meetings. And so recruiting, they look at those, those time standards a lot. And so I think if you didn't go to juniors, it's harder to get recruiters to talk to you. And so I actually only actually went on two recruiting trips, like you were saying in your, um, mm-hmm. in your first podcast. Uh, I went to California, to Cal Poly, and then actually my uncle lives in Newark, Delaware, and he knew that I was interested in engineering, and uh, he was like, hey, you should look at the University of Delaware. They've got one of the best engineering, chemical engineering programs in the country, and they have a D1 swim team. And so I was like, oh, okay, and I, I kind of expected that. I didn't expect them to be like a, like a Cal or Texas level, but I I thought they would be like a lot, looking for that. Oh, we need juniors cuts, and we need mm-hmm nationals shuts, but it was actually I mean it was a little bit less intensive a program in that in that aspect and so I actually I flew out and went on a, a recruiting trip um like you know Delaware only does unofficials because of budgetary constraints um I think that's just a men's swimming problem kind of all over the country
2: yeah
1: um and I just loved it I thought the team was just a bunch of great people they were tons of fun um in my recruiting class actually one of the kids was that was jeremiah o'donnell who we both know pretty well from william and mary
2: mm-hmm.
1: he was on my recruiting trip to delaware and so i mean it was just a lot of fun i never really had experience with these trips because i didn't get to go on any official trips but I just knew once I was there, I was like, "All right, this is it." And they were able to offer me a lot more incentive than California because California's broke.
0: <laughs> hey, I mean, that's what it really boils down to. I feel like education, okay. and then the cost of the education too. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, especially you and I, like, we weren't going to go pro in exactly. and swimming post college, so. But education definitely played a huge role in the decision.
1: Yeah, and for me, the um, the biggest factor was that the chemical engineering rank academically mm-hmm. because I was looking for a swim team that I would fit in, in fit in on, but most importantly, I needed to to have have the degree that I wanted and and I and like you said, you're not going to go be a professional athlete. We're going to be professional in something else. And so Delaware was perfect for me, Mm -hmm. academic.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Now talking about that transition, obviously uh, you were also honors college too. So going from high school to transitioning to that freshman year, was it tough being the chemi major as well as in the honors college? How did you juggle the two with the practice load too?
1: Honestly, for me, I feel like it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Actually, because just the the college was super supportive of athletics. Um, all the teachers knew that I was an athlete, and they would they would work with me on what I needed. And if I needed to take a test early because I was traveling, or if I needed um, anything like, all the teachers were really good about. Helping out there, helping out the athletes when they need it because they know that, and like they they've understood that they have these extra responsibilities going through, going mm-hmm. through the the college experience, and so, and it was it's, so it really wasn't that difficult for me. I feel like it was pretty similar to when I was in high school because um, I was doing all these practices when I was in high school as well. So it wasn't like I was really like ramping up the training intensity a super amount because I was used to doing two practices every day already. And school was always, I don't know, school had always been pretty easy for me. Uh, Engineering classes were obviously much more difficult, but there was a couple times where I would be working in the computer lab and I would look at my, look at the clock on the computer and go, oh
0: man, I got to go to swim practice. <laughs> I, re- I remember those those practices well. because I mean, I was like, man, I just heard Tuli stayed up all night. I definitely can't lose to him like this morning. He's running on no yeah. sleep.
1: <laughs> it was, lots of times it was projects, and so we'd have to be working with a group, and I'd be like, oh, crap, guys, I got to go to swim practice. I'll be back in two hours.
2: Mm-hmm. And those were definitely some of the most difficult practices I've ever done.
1: Because <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done a practice on no sleep, but.
0: Not no not sleep, but on little not little sleep. sleep. That's tough.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it all just comes down to, like,
1: priori- prioritizing and, you know, setting goals, um, especially academically, because, you know, you have to go to practice and so you need to balance your academics with that. And for me, it really helps to uh, not procrastinate, obviously. I think that helps everyone in school. But, you know, I would set, like, little goals through big projects to make sure that I was moving forward with them and, you know, getting my stuff done on time and getting everything that I needed done and juggling everything because if you don't have that mindset, you um, you're going to end up with panic mode at the end and the quality of work you're going to do is just going to degrade because you weren't prepared.
0: I think that's perfectly well said. Um, I definitely agree. Now, when you came over to Delaware, did your mental approach to how you trained change at all or did it pretty much stay the same from high school?
1: My... Training stayed almost exactly the same. I was really fortunate. Um, I actually switched to a new team my senior year of high school uh, mm-hmm. because of coaching. Um, because there was a there was a team in Loveland, Colorado, that was the coach. I was a lot better than the one that I had, um, and then the train the people training with me, where it was a lot more people in the same boat as me, whereas on the team I was on before. It was pretty much me, and that's that was it. The, no one was, no one could keep up. Um, we were, it was a growing team still at the, that time, and the other team had just had more similarities and more people at the level that I was at. And so, getting to college, it, it was very similar to that because it was a whole team of people, pretty much that were that were expected to be there, and they were up at that level. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so for me, the transition training-wise, it was pretty easy. It was actually, I remember the first practice we were at, we was at at the long course pool outside of Delaware, and I had flown in from Colorado like the day before, moved into my dorm, and then we had practice. And for me, it was like the best practice I've ever had because I just came down 5,000 feet in elevation, and I just killed it and everyone was like dude you need to chill out like
0: it's the first day man
1: (laughs) the first day like and i'm like you know this this isn't any different for me because and i think that some people it was a big challenge because they didn't have that background of we're doing two days every day and we're every day you're just you're gonna get your ass kicked because that's what you need to do and so I was really fortunate to have that background already and have that mental approach and knowing that you're going to get broken down pretty quickly
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like you got to get accustomed to swimming beat up um, especially at the college level I think too, too many people I know that did the sport were afraid to get beat up in season I mean you and I both know, like, we definitely had people that it came Friday afternoon and, yeah, they weren't hitting the weights as hard as they possibly could and they they weren't trying to hold that pace as quickly as possible in practice because they knew we had the meet the next morning. But I think once you realize, like, that meet the next morning is just another practice in a sense. Like, that's, that's how I
1: would always see them because I know that, you know, I never swam that great in those dual meets because neither of us uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah I was always so beat up and so broken down that um, there was a lot of times where the coaches were talking to me and they're like, Julie, what are you doing? And I'm like, I can't. Like I'm going as fast as I can and there would be times where I would be faster in practice even mm-hmm. because it's just a, practice is easy. Practice for me was always the easy part. I was had never had a problem showing up to practice
2: and getting putting in the work. Mm-hmm. It Was fun, but, you know.
1: I was hanging out with my friends, kicking ass in practice, and that's what I really loved. The meets were where I struggled in season. Actually,
0: yeah, but I feel like it's all part of the process. Um, you know, it's it comes with it. But those are like good good reps. For, I mean, really in our situation, it was only, CAs was really what matters. I think I said it in my first episode. Like, you, yep. it boils down to how you do there. That's where you're remembered. Like, no one 10 years from now is going to be like, oh, I really remember this guy because he was a fantastic dual meet swimmer for whatever college. But then, you know, when it got to the big meet, they didn't do anything. Um, yeah, and
1: at least for my freshman year, there was kind of two bigger meets because we had that CAA's meet, obviously, but mm-hmm. then we did go to Nationals, and so Nationals down in Texas for, was another big meet that our coach would let us kind of taper for, and I know you made Nationals your...
0: Sophomore year. Junior, sophomore. sophomore. On, yeah.
1: Yeah. I got to go as a freshman, and this was the first time, other than I'd been to juniors before... This was the first time I was going
2: to real nationals, and so it was tons of
1: fun, (laughs) but also really nerve-wracking.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think, I mean, especially freshman year, I wanted to touch on that. How did you prepare for that conference meet? Did you think having nationals at Texas a few months prior, did that help you with your preparation then for that first big college meet?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I went in to conferences. Um, I feel like there was a lot of expectations on me, um, especially as as the freshman on the team who was kind of the most heavily recruited at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, There was, um, and I had, so the first day at the meet, the coach made the decision not to put me on any of the relays, kind of similar to what you were saying, and I... That really bummed me out because I was, through the whole season, I was trying to prove to him, like, I should be on at least one of these relays. And I was fighting for a spot on both the 200 medley and the 800 free relay. And I think I could have excelled at either one. And the coach had a different idea. But, you know, it is what it is. And you just have to go out there and and do do the best you can with what you're entered in. And so I had, it was... It was a lot of pressure, and for me, it it didn't get to me, but I unfortunately got really sick the second day. Mm-hmm. I remember, I had a great first day. I broke the school record in the 200 I am, and then like, that afternoon, I started feeling a little sick, and the next day, after every event, I would get out of the pool, run to the bathroom, and throw up.
0: That's got to be tough. Like, How did you handled that mentally, still like keeping yourself in it. I mean, your, your times weren't obviously as good as they could have been, but they were still respectable for that level as well. They, they, it was really difficult for me because
1: I had such high expectations for what I knew that I could do. Mm -hmm. And because of that, because of getting sick, I didn't, did not come anywhere close to those, to those expectations. Um, and so it, it was difficult, but for me again, like when I have, when I had a difficult year and I knew there was years that you weren't going to go best times and stuff, but Mm -hmm. that was when I would throw myself back into training right away. I feel like me and you at practices, especially the off season ones were sometimes the only people who would show up and
0: yeah. Well, I think that speaks a lot about both of us, because you and I were very similar in the sense of, I don't think at any point we were we were satisfied with our performance. We could have done, you know, lifetime bests in everything we swam, but, you know, a week, you know, less than a week later, like you just said, like you and I are back, not just at the minimum five hours, like... We're hitting fifteen to twenty still, like.
1: Yeah, I remember the coaches would start canceling practices because not enough people were showing up. And at least those first few years that you were there, thankfully we had Coop there who would he would come in and make a practice for me and you, and me and you would be the only two people
2: there. Yeah.
1: And having the coaches really behind you and really support you in that in that aspect was, was really important to me because that's what I was used to. I was used to having my coach where he was there for whatever you needed. And so having Coop as a coach was definitely the best thing uh, at the college level that happened to me. And it was, that was really frustrating
0: when he didn't get his job back in senior year. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely how I feel about it too. I feel like he was, Definitely the most supportive, at least, especially of our group, um, in a way. And I feel like he knew we didn't have limits on what we could do. Like, he, and he was just supportive of whatever the heck we thought we could do, he thought we could be better, and, like, he held us to that standard.
1: And I think he even had higher expectations of us than maybe even we had.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Like we would have goal time set, and I and <laughs> Hitmind mine. Was thinking, like, let's get these kids under three fifty in the four hundred. I am. Or
0: I remember, I remember going to him after my five hundred sophomore year, and like he was happy for me. Um, obviously, like winning the conference, but after like a minute, he was like well, so your last hundred was a lot faster than the rest. We're going to need to work on getting those closer together and all around faster next year. I was like, Holy crap, man. I just, okay. Yeah, you're right. Like That's that, that's the mindset you have to have
1: in this moment right now. Let's talk about this.
0: On <laughs> no, but he was great about, you know, just keeping you on top of it and, and keeping you focused on the task at hand. I think. Yeah, and I
1: guess that's where my coach back in Colorado mm-hmm. kind of comes. In. He was very similar to Coop in that regard. Um, Jim was best coach I've ever had, and again, he had higher expectations of me than even I had. He was the first person who thought, "I think we can get," "I think we can get you down to the trials cut." Because mm-hmm. when I first joined the team, I was ten seconds away. I had just barely made the juniors' time. So I got to go to my first uh, junior nationals time or junior nationals meet, and Jim was like, "We can get you down to that trials cut." And I was like, "That's ten seconds in one year. Like I'm only going to be here for a year before I go to college." (laughs) And lo and behold, I was right there fighting for that trials cut in 2012.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's super impressive. I think that's what really stood out to me. Um, at least on my recruiting trip to Delaware, was, I mean, you hosted me and talking to you about that. I was like, holy, okay, cool. Like, there's there's another kid on here. I wasn't at that level, but that was the level that I wanted to be at. I was like, I knew if I was training with people like you, that would get me to where I wanted to be in the sport. So that helped out a lot. Yeah,
1: and um, having people to train with was the biggest that was the biggest reason that I switched
2: teams mm-hmm.
1: my senior year of high school. Cause it was, it was a difficult decision. Cause I was thinking like, I only have one year left before I go off to college. Like why would I switch teams now yeah. when there's only going to be there for a year. But having it was, I knew a bunch of the kids on the team already just from competitions. Like I, we were friends already. Um, and, having people training with you is so much better than trying to do things by yourself.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. My perfect transition. I want to talk about our training together and get kind of your side on how you approached racing me in practice. And then I'll share how I thought the same of you.
1: So in practice, I, I mean, I think we're both very competitive people and I didn't ever want to lose to you
2: Mm.
1: Uh, because you were that kid who came, you were the kid who came into the, or came onto the team. And, you know, it was like, who's this punk kid trying to keep up with me? Like, come on, get in, stay in your lane, man. Like, this is my lane. (laughs) I'm going first. You don't get to just come in here thinking you're, you're going to take over, but it was, uh, and then again, It's always about, because my coach back in Colorado would, he would take us and he would split us into heats. And so he would, we would be eight people across the pool. And so I think that was something that was really good because Coop kind of did the same thing with you there. And it was you and me. And then I forget who would lead the third lane, Gary.
0: Occasionally. Yeah. Um, I think you and and I were definitely the most consistent up there no matter what the set was we wanted to be leading and going against each other
1: and that was something that was rare because I think a lot of people were like oh I can just sit back behind someone and you know take it a little bit easier not be as noticed but me and you both really were. we just wanted to get out there and you know impress Coop every day and Throw down some times that were in practice just super impressive and just having that training person is way better than trying to do things by yourself.
0: Oh, yeah. I think what what separated you and I, at least from the group that we mainly trained with, was that it didn't matter what the set was, whether it was a kick set, a pull set, swim set, IM set, freestyle, whatever, we still wanted to go first. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know about you. I approached it as like you're gonna have to run me over to take away me going yeah, first. If you're in
1: front of me, you're gonna have to take it. You can't.
0: Yes. Yeah. Just... I'm not giving it up to you just because. You know, Maybe. And even
1: sets that maybe weren't our our strong suit. Like for me, it was always kicking. Yeah. It was never my the bet thing that I was best at. But even on those sets. They would you like yes someone else would go ahead because they were faster but I was always trying to get back to that lead position
2: hmm
0: no very very well said I think I kind of approached it the same way I remember when I first got there I was like all right who is the best in in my events for the most part um, you and I overlapped events um, yeah so almost yeah exactly so uh, I mean I immediately took notice to you and I was like okay look this is how he does it day in and day out I need to do the same thing if not the same but or better if I can and just I knew the longer I could hang with you the better I would be personally yeah Yeah. Um, and
1: for, I was actually pretty new to actual distance when i was coming to college because i had done distance sets a lot but Mm -hmm. never done distance races i was always you know im's breaststroke maybe a 500 or two thrown in at a big meet but it was all of my focus had been on that 400 im for the past year because that was what my coach was we were pushing for that trials cut in 2012 and so yeah having jumping into the distance freestyle was it was difficult but not not how you think because i already had the background of like there was no one who could who was in better shape than i was when it came to distance especially coming from colorado and you've got the lung capacity you've got the altitude training all under your belt and so i had to get learn how to Swim a distance race because you can't just go for yeah. it all like you can in
0: practice every day. Yeah, I, I remember I I hated when you went home because that meant you were gonna come back and you no matter how long you were home for you had that altitude adjustment and it, was, it just seemed to be like oh my god like I just can't keep up with them today like I don't, and I knew like why it was but it was still frustrating to be like. I still, wanted, I still wanted to be there with you.
1: Yeah, it was an awesome feeling going home. <laughs> I, what you didn't see was going home and getting my butt kicked by everyone that was already in Colorado for three days. Yeah. I had to adjust up to the altitude.
0: Well, it goes both ways. But yeah, I, I unfortunately only saw the the good side of for you, at least, back home. <laughs> um, now, did you have any, like, tips or tricks, maybe self-talk or anything that you would say to yourself during practices that weren't always going your way? Because, I mean, we all have off practices from time to time.
1: Yeah, for me, it was just always about, I don't want to lose to my friends. Like, I'm not going to, for me, it was you, it was Pat Savage, it was, you know, sometimes Gary, even when I was having a bad practice, I I just did not like to lose to you guys, and I hated when we would do those, when Coop would have us throw down and put those get-up swims out, and I would lose. Like, that was the worst feeling in the world to me, and even if I was having a good practice and then I'd start getting beaten, it was for me it was just always talking to myself and saying like you you know you can do this like you know you've done it before you can do this and just really getting back into like your groove because Mm -hmm. because you know you've been there you've done these sets hundreds of times a lot of the time and you know how fast you can go and you just try and improve and so i think it takes that kind of mindset of just continuous improvement and never being satisfied with where you are to that's the most important thing for an athlete, because if you're just satisfied with where you are, you're never going to get better.
2: Mm -hmm. Well said.
1: You can't can't ever. And I, and I guess with my experience here at Budweiser, now that I have it as a profession, they have that instilled in their culture. And so it's something that translates really well
2: out of athletics. Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's good, and I think the other part that I, w- I would, the only thing I would add, I guess, would be you have to get comfortable with that uncomfortable feeling in practice. Because like, you're gonna have meets in races that don't feel good. I don't know about you, I, some of my best races ever were ones that going into it, I wasn't, I didn't feel 100%. I didn't feel like, you know, like superhuman. I just felt like, oh, man, like this is a little tight or something, you know. But it it didn't matter. The end result was what it was, and it was the best performance. So being able to practice that way and... Get
1: comfortable with being uncomfortable mm -hmm. because it's going to hurt. If if you're going to push yourself faster and farther than you have been before it's gonna it has to be uncomfortable otherwise you didn't do it right
0: (laughs) yeah and i don't i don't know about you for transitioning to like visualization um i i practiced it a little bit in high school but never at like a guided visualization um it was just kind of like close your eyes imagine the venue pick whatever race you're going to do go um, but I, I don't know if it was you or someone else that introduced – I remember there was an audio clip that we would hang out in the, the classroom on deck there and play and listen to. Was that yours or was that someone else's? I don't remember.
1: Was it the colors one? Because that was Zach Lowe.
0: It might have been. I'm not – I can't breathe, even remember which one. Breathe
1: colors? Breathe out bright colors?
0: No, I – I remember it was like something going – like you visualize going into a room or something. I don't even know. But whatever it was, did you find it helpful?
1: Yeah. Um, so we did visualization like that uh, with my coach back in Colorado. And I thought it was a helpful tool. But I was always – it was like before practice and I was always, all right, let's get in the pool. Like – I'm yeah. ready to go. I don't need to imagine what's going to happen. I can go make it happen in the pool right now. Um, so I thought it was a good relaxation tool, more than more than anything, because. Then a prep. My mindset was, I prep in the pool. I'm. I know mentally that I'm ready to swim fast mm-hmm. when it when it came to those big meets because I knew how much work i had put in and i knew what i was doing and when you get that you get your rest i was the the one thing that i could always do was show up when it taper time came and show up at those big meets because no one was pushing themselves harder or than than myself and you know you when i was in colorado it was you know friends from virginia tech and the naval academy and all over the country, mm-hmm. and I knew that I was as well prepared as all of them because of how you do in practice and how you approach your training.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, now, being teammates, you know, I always wanted to see your success, but at the same time, you know, our, our events overlapped, and and I I wanted to beat you when the lights went on. Uh, how did you handle? When you won against me or other teammates, what would you say that was like?
1: I think it's important to not, um, to not like play down your own success, but also you can't try and like show, or I guess you can't like overstep and like try and get into your teammates' head or anything because at the end of the day, they're your teammates. And you need them to succeed as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to succeed as a team, which was which is always the ultimate goal, you can't just succeed individually. You need your teammates too. And so, um, the best way to help the team is by doing the best you can. But you also have to bring your teammates up with you. And I think the flip side of it is also, is equally as important of how you handle losing to a teammate. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, sometimes you're going to win. Sometimes they're going to win. And all, it, you got to be positive, And you can't, I think it's helpful. Your coach is there to critique. Your teammates are there to support you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know me personally, no matter what the result was, especially between you and I, because we, we were so close. We, we lived together. We trained together. Like, we were around each other all the time. It was like, no matter what the result was, whether you had beat me at a conference meet, a dual meet, or, you know, I I had just won whatever, I wanted to seek you out first thing and say, hey, man, like, nice race, no matter what, because um, I think that is the most important thing because um, I couldn't do what I did without you, and I think vice versa. Um,
1: Absolutely, because, you know, those people you train with are – are- a big reason why you had that success and so having you got to show them some appreciation and I think that at least in our group we did that really well Mm -hmm. Uh, everyone was there supporting each other no matter if you had a good race if you had a bad race because your teammates are there to to lift you up and then if if there was something that you needed to work on that's what your coaches are for.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Now, did you have any advice, I guess, for that next generation of swimmers, whether they be middle school, high school, or in college now? What's something you've learned that you think that these next younger athletes should know?
1: Never be, like, you can always... Never think that you're, you're good enough because, you know, if you... If you run into that and you think like oh I'm the best already then you're going to plateau because it you got to have the mindset of always you got to want it and get always want to be better because that was a big thing that always helped me I knew so many times I was right there at those qualifying times like I missed the trials cut by 0.1 in 2012 and I missed the juniors cut in three events by like a combined point 2 or something and it's it's okay and you know and you just have to attack everything you do and also all these lessons you learn through athletics they actually really do translate extremely well to real life and that's one of the biggest things that I've learned is College athletes are usually some of the most successful people out uh, in the professional world because they have that competitive spirit. They know what it takes to work hard. They know how to motivate themselves rather than use it having to go through like a corporate motivation thing because college athletes are always, like, they always wanna get better. They're never satisfied with what they're doing. And so if you're a young co- or a young athlete there's there's always something you can learn and it all translates super well and I think even with in my experience since I was swimming and I didn't get the opportunity to do like some of those summer internships or something it was Equally as important, and I think I learned equally as much just through athletics as anyone does in a in an internship or anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the tough part, especially with swimming. It's there's not much out there aside from coaching and maybe lifeguarding um, that you can do in the off season in the summer at the same time as yeah. the training that you need to do uh, to stay in shape and prepare for that next year.
1: And the rest yeah especially if you want to compete over the summer you can't really have a, a nine to five you know internship and so that was something that I really I actually did struggle with that for a little while after college I was like oh maybe I should have not swam and you know worked a little more tried to get some of these internships but I'm really happy that I didn't because I feel like if I had not done that and I had not, um, you know, push myself to be the best that I could be in swimming. I would have always just felt unsatisfied with how I how I ended.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Meanwhile, now I know I did everything I could and did everything that I I could possibly do to get to the and be the best that I could be up until I had to stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's good to be able to walk away and say say that, uh, that you truly have kind of no regrets for your career, and it takes, exactly. a, it takes I think, a lot of growing up and maturity to, to do that, because I, I know myself, when I first walked away, I was like, I wasn't thrilled um, with how it ended for me. I, I wanted more, but now, as I'm removed from it more and more, it's, it's coming into perspective, and it's now a new chapter. Um, yeah. In my life, for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the one of the biggest things that I really want to do is up here in in Idaho. There's not really a pool or a, a team, mm-hmm. but when I was in Colorado, master swimming is so much fun, and I still love the sport. Mm-hmm. Like I still love going to swim, and so I really want to get back into it. Like maybe not at the same level that I was. But since it's something that you just, if you love doing it, you should always find a way to, you to know, do it. have that in your life because it's going to improve every other aspect as well.
0: Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And it's a good release as well. I always viewed it as that, um, you know, swimming was important, but it wasn't the end all be all. And it helped me handle a lot of stressors in my life outside of the sport too. For me it was like a a great clear head for the 2 hours that we had practice. Like I could focus in on what I was really like really good at and getting better. It didn't matter how much homework I had, didn't matter what was going on outside of my life. It was all that matters those 2 hours in the pool. And that's what I use it for now too. I don't swim anywhere near as much as we used to, but you know, when I am feeling overwhelmed with anything, I think it's a great mental, like, clear head type thing. I mean, you, you literally just stare at a black line for an hour um, or, like, 30 minutes even. I think it's great.
1: Yeah, and I guess for me, it was practice was, a, was always my favorite part because I loved going to practice. I know a lot of people are there complaining about going to practice and getting up early, but... I loved going to practice. I thought it was, because for me, it was. You, it is an individual sport, and you're, you're swimming, staring at that black line, but you've got at least, like, 15 of probably some of your best friends around you, and you really get to just focus on being at, at the pool, letting go of anything else, because you can't do anything else while you're there, so it doesn't help to worry about your homework or anything like that. And you just get to enjoy your time with your friends and getting better and all of that stuff. Because, like, the races, yeah, it's a lot of fun to go race. But practice was was my favorite part of swimming.
2: Hmm.
0: I feel you there. Um, last one I had for you was, is there anything that you learned through athletics, through sports, that someone who's maybe not an athlete... Or never was an athlete could implement into their day to day lives now.
1: Uh, absolutely, um, I guess that that mindset I, th- that your whole podcast is about uh, is is always a good thing to have. Um, at least in my experience with with a, a company and stuff, they look for those competitors. They look for all those those people that are are really striving to. Um, get better uh, I guess the Budweiser way of saying it is that we are a company of owners and we are never satisfied with our results and so these, these lessons from athletics just translate so well into professional lives and careers and all of that stuff because I think athletics has been the most important thing and I think it was one of the biggest reasons why I um, got hired in the first place
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's huge. Uh, You touched on not having internships. And I did a short little stint myself in recruiting at my old company. at first job out of school. And we valued an athlete with a lower GPA than a non-athlete with a higher GPA, up to a certain point. Um, But, you know, all else being equal or even a little less resume-wise, if someone was an athlete... Versus non-athlete, we would, that company would prefer to take the risk on the athlete.
1: Yeah, because there's the, the athletes really, they have, it's about the mindset and it's about that, that passion and that drive. And when you're, when you hire someone, you're making an investment in that person. And so you don't want someone who's just there. Mm-hmm. You want someone who is trying to improve At all times.
0: Yeah. That's very well said. And I feel like everyone. That has that background. Is almost a little bit more patient. In the workplace. And they don't really. They're not asking for something right away. Like they'll do the work. Not expecting anything. Extra in return. They'll go above and beyond. To just kind of stand out. In a way almost.
1: Exactly. I mean it's just like with athletic performance, you're gonna put in that work and have it pay off for you down the road.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even though you know right now you're you're in athletics you're beating down your body, you're getting broken down. But in the professional world it's you're putting in the putting in the work. You're going above and beyond and you know, you're getting noticed by people who make decisions about your career. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I just want to throw in here for context, uh, for those listening this far still, you were one year ahead of me at Delaware. Um, and like I touched on earlier, you were you were my host on my recruiting trip. I don't think I ever really told you this, but kind of you were like the main reason why I committed there was because, I mean, yeah, I had fun with the, the partying and Meeting the rest of the guys on the team, but I remember just kind of when you and I—they did a good job, I guess, pairing us up as you as my host and me as the recruit. Because I I think right away, within five minutes of talking with you, I realized we had very similar mindsets and very similar kind of goals. Is everyone else I talked to? I mean, they were great, but I think you and I just kind of like nerded out on swimming. Um, was a commonality and um, <laughs> no,
1: we really did because and you know, I really wanted to get more people that were more like me, I guess, on uh-huh. the team where that were gonna show up to practices that aren't required and you know, go that extra do that extra steps because they love the sport and they're not
0: just, you know, there for the college experience. Definitely. Uh, So I just want to say, man, thank you for being an awesome host and then pushing me for, for our time together. Those three years were some of the best of my life, for sure. Absolutely. College was, I'm
1: having, you know, you guys, you especially there in the pool with me was, it made every practice better. Like I said, practice was my favorite part and you know, having someone there who was who was pushing me and having a similar experience to me, it meant everything. So thank you for coming to Delaware.
0: Hey yeah, man, of course. So thanks for coming on and agreeing to do this. I think it was awesome. Uh, one, being able to catch up and two, kind of hearing your perspective on everything. And that's a wrap. I'm so glad that you took the time to listen in and I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Alex. The biggest takeaway for me was hearing Alex's side of our daily battles in the pool. I always wondered what was going through his mind when we got paired up in practice and what got him through those toughest days of training. I ask that however you have been listening here, whether on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or another platform, please share this episode with someone else as they might be able to benefit from that as well. You never know who you'll be able to impact by doing so. Subscribe to our channel so that you'll be sure to never miss an episode and come back next Friday as I welcome on Colombian Olympian and current swimmer on the professional New York Breakers team, Jonathan Gomez. Have a great week.